0: Yes, God departs for a moment from the temple, but for the rabbis, the very fact that God, as it were, can exile himself, teaches us that Jews can experience God's closeness wherever they may be around the world, including in a tiny synagogue occupied by a single Jew wherein all other worshipers have already left. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 162, Imminence, Transcendence, and the Shechina in Exile. I'm Mayor Soloveitchuk. The inspiration for our discussion today is a painting that I first encountered in a wonderful book by Yael Mali about art and the weekly Torah readings, and I'm grateful to her for leading me to this painting. It's a creation of Shmuel Hershenberg, who was born in Lodz, Poland, painted to some acclaim in Eastern Europe at the end of the 19th century, and then made Aliyah and helped found the Bitalel School before dying in his 50s in the Holy Land. This painting, created in 1897, hangs today in an art gallery in Ein Harod, Israel, and is known as HaMitzpaleel HaAcharon, the last person to still pray. But that was not the name given to the painting by the artist, and throughout the years, other appellations have been applied as well. For it is not at all obvious that what this Jew is doing is pray, nor is it clear that he is the last one in the room where he finds himself. Indeed, the enigmatic aspects of this work of art are what make it so interesting. A truly great artistic creation, I believe, both draws the viewer in at first glance and also encourages interpretation. And this is certainly true of this work. At first glance, what one sees is not unusual. A traditional Jew of Eastern Europe, wrapped in a tallit, a prayer shawl, engaged in the act of learning or prayer to the light of a candle. But as we look more carefully, we note other details. Emerging from beneath the tallit is a white sleeve. What we are seeing is the Ashkenazic penitential garment known as the kittel. And thus, some have suggested, correctly I think, that this scene is taking place during the High Holy Days. On the other side of the table at which this Jew sits, we see another talit unfolded, crumpled, on the table. If we look carefully, we further notice on the left side of the canvas a shadow that someone else is there, perhaps on his way out of the synagogue. What is the artist attempting to communicate? My own suggestions will be inspired. By the opening of Ezekiel, which has impacted the way Jews pray and relate to God to this day. Ezekiel opens with what is considered by the rabbis to be the most mystical vision in the entire Tanakh, what is known as the Merkava, the chariot of God. Ezekiel sees God's throne, and what Scripture stresses is that this throne is moving. I cite a selection from the verses of the first chapter, beginning with verse 4. And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud, and a fire unfolding itself and a brightness was about it, and out of the midst thereof, as the color of amber out of the midst of the fire. Also out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, and like the appearance of lamps. It went up and down among the living creatures, and the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning. And the living creatures ran and returned as the appearance of a flash of lightning. Now, as I beheld the living creatures, behold, one wheel upon the earth by the living creatures with his four faces. The appearance of the wheels and their work was like unto the color of a barrel, and they four had one likeness, and their appearance and their work was as it were a wheel in the middle of a wheel. Ezekiel's encounter with the Almighty's chariot ensconced by angelic beings brings to mind a similar vision that we have already studied in the sixth chapter of Isaiah. But as many point out the differences between these two prophecies, are as profound as what joins them. Here in Ezekiel, God passes by in a throne that is on wheels, whereas Isaiah's vision depicts the enthroned Almighty with his presence extending everywhere, thus Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Thus Isaiah versus Ezekiel. Which encounter accurately describes our own interaction with the Almighty? The answer is they both do, which is why, as many Jewish thinkers have noted, it is in every morning prayer that Jews cite a verse from each prophet, one after the other, though they seem, superficially, to contradict each other. First we say the exclamation of the angels in Isaiah, verse 3. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And then, immediately after, we cite a verse from Ezekiel's vision, chapter 3, verse 12. Then the Spirit took me up, and I heard behind me a voice of a great rushing, saying, Blessed be the glory of the Lord from His place. Is the glory of God everywhere, or is it in His place? The answer is yes. God is to be discovered everywhere, and He is hidden. His presence is both imminent and transcendent. And it is here, ladies and gentlemen, that the image of the talit, the prayer shawl, is so interesting a formative experience for many Jews as children is to be gathered under the talit of our father during the birkat kohanim the priestly blessings intuiting somehow even then that this was a holy moment that precisely because of the sacred nature of the experience it was important to cover our face as moses did when he stood before god at the burning bush the experience and its theological meaning was best described by david galanter in his fascinating book judaism a way of being galanter dedicated this volume, to interpreting some of the central ritual images in Judaism, and one of them is that of the talit or veil. This is what he writes, quote, to put the paradox in broader terms, God is transcendent and holy, separate from the world he created. Let the soul praise God, says a midrash, who is exalted above the world and whose place nobody knows. Yet, God is intimately accessible, near to all who call upon him in truth, Psalms 145:18. God said to Moses, according to a midrash, that in every place where you find the trace of the feet of man, there am I before you. How can transcendence and intimate nearness coexist? How can we imagine God beyond space and time, in an utterly different order of existence from man's, and also imagine him close at hand? The solution to this problem, to the riddle and the paradox, is an image. Imagine God and man face to face but separated by a veil. There is the answer. Easy to picture but far-reaching in its implications. Not an image of physical reality, but a hint about God's reality. If God and man face each other with a veil in between, they are face-to-face, yet not face-to-face. The veil allows transcendence and intimacy to coexist. It hides God's presence, but not his nearness. End quote. So a writes, and to this description of God's transcendence and accessibility, we, ladies and gentlemen, can add the color scheme of the prayer shawl itself, of the shawl's fringes themselves. The original aesthetic of Jewish fringes, as we mentioned in previous lectures, was the alternative winding of blue and white strings. The blue is meant to remind us of the manifest glory of God. It is linked by the rabbis to the color of the Almighty's throne as seen by Ezekiel, chapter 1, verse 26. And above the firmament that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne as the appearance of a sapphire. Thus the blue, or tchelet, of the fringes reminds us of God's nearness. And yet the blue strings are separated by the white strings, spaced out. And when over the centuries, the secret to creating the blue strings was lost, at least for a period of time. The color scheme was remembered by many through spaced out blue stripes on white shawls. The brilliance of blue divided by white. It is itself a reminder of the dialectic of the divine encounter, God's nearness, but also separation. Why does Ezekiel open with the Merkavah? with the chariot, with the movement of God. Some of the best books about Ezekiel today, like those of Dr. Tova Ganzel and of Rabbi Yigal Ariel, begin by stressing that Ezekiel is emphasizing God's removing his protective presence from the temple so that it can be destroyed. This is absolutely correct, but I would add that even here, the sages utilized the notion of God going into exile in order to emphasize not only transcendence but also closeness. They stressed that though the Almighty temporarily removed his protection from Jerusalem, nevertheless, God in the rabbinic description then returned to mourn there. And the rabbis, even more interestingly, speak of the Shekhinah, the of the Shekhinah, the presence of God, that goes into Galut, exile, with his children. Yes, God departs for a moment from the temple, but for the rabbis, the very fact that God, as it were, can exile himself teaches us that Jews can experience God's closeness wherever they may be around the world, including in a tiny synagogue occupied by a single Jew wherein all other worshipers have already left. God is both transcendent and present, a source, therefore, of awe and also love. Galerntor's further thoughts, joining the image of the veil and the attempt at prayer, are beautiful. And as you listen to my quotation from him, look at the painting and see how Gelernter's words allow us to better appreciate the canvas. Galernte writes, quote, The veil is always near, right before us and surrounding us. But the Talit reminds us that the veil is no mere partition between ourselves and transcendence. It is a shawl, too, which we gather round our shoulders when we need comfort or a sense of connection to the long continuum of Jewish history. Enfolding ourselves in the veil is the spiritual analog of enfolding ourselves in a shawl. But God's very presence is what we gather round our shoulders. What act do we perform in order to accomplish this gathering around our shoulders of a spiritual or metaphysical veil? The act of prayer. The text of the prayer book is itself a veil. On its surface, it consists mainly of blessings that we pronounce on God and His creation, and blessings that we ask God to grant us. But when we pray, we do not expect miracles. The purpose of prayer is not to deliver a daily list of action items to the Almighty, its real purpose is to gather around us the shawl or veil of God's presence. And be comforted end quote." This, I think, is exactly what the artist gives us here: the shelter of God's peace, drawn around the shoulders as one seeks to express oneself through prayer. The meaning of the painting thus becomes a bit more clear, perhaps, but there is more to be said. As we mentioned, the artist is giving us Yom Kippur Eve. The service has come to a close. Most have left to rest up for the long service and fast of the next day. One of the Jews has left his own Talit, crumpled on the table. Perhaps it is his shadow departing on the left. Many Jews did not fold up the tallit on the Sabbath and holidays. It was considered by them to be a form of cleansing of the garment. And thus, the shawl would have just been rolled up and placed on the table. And so the shadow and the tallit left behind signify a Jew on his way out. But the meaning is more ominous than it may sound at first. For this is the high holy days after all. And the Jew who sits and seemingly ponders the shadow across from him is considering what, for the Ashkenazic liturgy, is the most famous penitential piece of all that will be said the next day, Tokev, which declares human life to be kitzel over, like a fleeting shadow. Thus the shadow on the wall is a reminder of life's transience, and the Jew who is on his way out of the synagogue is a reminder of the fact that we are all, in a sense, on our way out. And the Jew that we see seated there, looking at the crumpled talit, can be interpreted as pondering the fact that one day it is only the talit that will be left of him when he will shuffle off this mortal coil. But in the midst of this terrifying fact, another inspiring image presents itself. The radiance in the room, the candle lit, which like the menorah of the temple or the light and the fire of the chariot of Ezekiel is meant to be a testimony to God's radiant presence. And thus the image captures consolation in the presence of God's embrace. Or, as one of the most famous of liturgical pieces puts it, in Adon Olam, Viim Ruhi Giviati Hashem velo ira, and if when asleep my spirit departs, I cannot fear, for my God is with me. Thus we see a Jew on Yom Kippur on the day of Yizkor, when worlds are connected, embodying the final paragraph of Galur's discussion of the veil, and it is with his words that I conclude. Quote, The sacred veil means that man and God can be and yet not be face to face. And even though the veil is opaque, is a blank, like the indecipherable words of the shofar. One thing can get through, namely love. Man's for God, God's for man. The veil is blank, but is warm with the radiance of God's presence and care and love, and with the presence of our own beloved dead, who are gathered beneath the wings of the Shekhinah, just on the other side. This is Mayor Soloveitchik, looking forward to learning together tomorrow. Signing off.